there's hope for the hopeless And all those who've strayed Come sit at the table Come taste the grace There's rest for the weary Rest that endures Earth has no sorrow Heaven can cure So lay down your Church, I said, I said, let me get my Southern Baptist roots going on. I said, a good morning, Coastal Community Church. That's what I'm talking about. Well, folks, it is 9 in the a.m., and it is time to get your worship on. Are we ready to do this? Okay, everybody, if you would, join me in saying hello to all our online friends. Hello, online friends. That includes Zed who's feeling poorly. That includes Kurt and Joe, who are feeling poorly. That includes Julian in the UK. That includes future Brittany. Future Brittany. And that includes my mom. Hi, Mom. I'm not playing hooky. I'm actually here today. So. Uh, how was your week, folks? I got a very good. I got an awesome. I'll even go for eh-eh. Eh-eh is still good. Yeah, so that's kind of the it's kind of the thing to think about. 
that God is faithful even when times are, are ugly. That's where we get to go to, right? So why don't we go ahead and start off praying here. If you would join me. Father, we just want to quiet our hearts right now for a second and just remind ourselves who you are and what you've done for us. We want to make, Lord God, this Sunday just not a, uh, a religious observance because this is what we do, but we want to use this time to come into contact through the power of your Holy Spirit with who you are and what you've done. We just ask for your anointing on this time. We ask for your Holy Spirit's presence among us today. We thank you in advance because we know that you, you promise in your word how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask. So we ask this morning for the presence of your Holy Spirit here and your anointing on us and on Andy later when we get the message. We just put this time in your hands and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand for the first song, if you would. To the King of glory and life, all praises. To the only giver of life, our maker, the gift of the wine, we worship you. Come see what love has done, amazing. He bought us with his blood, our Savior. The cross is overcome. We worship you. We shout, Hosanna, Jesus saves. Shout, Hosanna, he rose from the grave. Come and lift him up, Hosanna. Now let the lost be found, forgiven. Death could not hold him down. He's risen. Let the saints cry out. We worship you. We worship you. We shout, Hosanna. Jesus, he saves. Shout, Hosanna. He rose from the grave. Come and lift him up. Hosanna. same power that rolled the stone away, the same power alive in us today. King Jesus, we call upon your name, no other name. The same power that rolled the stone away, the same power alive in us today. Jesus, we call upon your name, no other name. We shout, Hosanna, Jesus, he saves. Shout, Hosanna, he rose from the grave. Come and lift him up, Hosanna. 
talk about yourselves for a moment. Crashing waves surrounded me when the ocean's roar seemed deafening, when the tides of fear were rising, you were there. In the heat of every battle. I had more than I could handle Still in the valley of the shadow You were there Faithful You're faithful The source of all my comfort The source of all my hope darkness I never was alone in the sunshine and the rain in joy and in the pain steadfast love remain all the time you were there when the faith was shaken and my heart was breaking I never was forsaken all the time were there as we gather here to sing and pray and as our hearts rejoice with you praise as we come together in your name, you are here. Faithful. Faithful. You're faithful. The source of all my comfort. The source of all my hope. Grateful. I'm grateful. In the sunshine and the rain, in the joy and the pain, steadfast love remain all the time. You were there when my faith was shaken and my heart was breaking. I never was forsaken all the time. One day I'll walk along those golden streets And I will gaze down on the crystal stream 
the most beautiful thing that I will see is you, because you are there. You are there, Jesus. Always, you were there. Steadfast love of the Lord. Mercies never come to an end. Darkness tries to roll over my bones. The sorrow comes to steal the joy I own. Brokenness and pain. Oh, I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be shaken. No, because my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love no longer has a place to hide I am not a captive to the lies not afraid to leave my past behind no Oh, I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power. Oh, my. 
rejoicing again, Lord. We rejoice because we, we just want to take this moment to remember how good you've been to us, Lord God, in our past. Just want to encourage everybody to just take one moment, find one thing where God showed up in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a storm, when there seemed no way out. He showed up then. Because of what you've done in our past, Father God, we have confidence for what you're going to do in the future. So we will not fear. We will not fear. You are greater. You are greater than our trials. You are greater than our struggles. You are there in the joy. You are there in the struggle. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
That's what we want to do. We want to remember that our lives on this earth are but a vapor, but you are constant. We want to remember, Lord God, that you are the same God on the mountain and on the valley, in the valley. Your love goes into us in our good times and our joys. You still stand beside us, Lord God, in the valley of the shadow. For all this, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks, Almighty God. We give you thanks, our Father in heaven give you thanks for your love that reaches beyond us, beyond what we can comprehend. We thank you, Papa God. We just ask, Lord God, that you would be with us for the rest of this time. We ask for your anointing on Pastor Andy. We ask, Lord God, for your anointing on him by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord God, that you would just give us hearts to receive by that same Holy Spirit, whatever you would have for us. put the rest of our time in your hands, anticipating what you would do. We ask God in the name of your Son, our Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. So kids, you can go to Coastal Kids. Uh, everybody else, greet somebody. Say hi to somebody. Seriously, say hi to somebody.
Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hi, friends. Good morning. We, uh, I want to say hello to everybody. My name is Andy. I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Coastal Community Church. Um, our, our other pastor, Kurt, is got COVID this week. Uh, so can and then also, um, we we prayed for Joe uh, last week who had been in the hospital, and all of you came up to Joe Ramirez and said, "I hope that you were okay," but it's actually Joe Jackson who's right here. Joe, raise your hand. We love you. Mean, meanwhile, Joe Ramirez, our Minister of Chaos Management, also got COVID this week. Uh, but you'll hear from him on the video. I have no idea how he looks. I'm assuming terrible or wonderful. Uh, but uh, there it is. Uh, so we're so glad that you're here. Uh, I, I want to, if you're new or visiting this morning, welcome. It, it, is, a, it's, it is a crazy thing to show up to a, fir- a church for the first time. And we hope that you feel uh, welcome and uh, like you're part of the family here. I want to say two things here before we do anything else. First is that Carly and Aaron Evans, Carly got baptized this summer. Um, They got uh, kids and they just welcomed the newest member of their family, Ezekiel. They're watching online, online right now. And I mean, look at this baby. Isn't it incredible? It's just amazing. Um, So we'll get you pictures. So can we pray for little Ezekiel? So Jesus, bless Carly with a a quick recovery. Thank you for Ezekiel. Uh, Bless him. Jesus, bless Aaron uh, as he uh, loves their kids in the middle of all of uh, a a brand new birth. And so bless them and protect them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And then finally, of course, Zed, who normally leads, leads worship, Um, And Denise, uh, who is our children's minister, they came down sick as well this week, but not COVID. Um, So there you go. Uh, So so, um, the varsity team is out, and now you have JV. Uh, So there it is. So can we just say a quick prayer for them as well? So Jesus bless Ed and Denise and little December, and we pray protection and health for them. And for all the people who are sick right now at home, uh, in our families, God, uh, across our nation, we just pray for health and life and a quick recovery. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. We are so glad you're here. We do a thing at our church called Change for a Dollar. And the idea is this, is how much change can we make in people's lives if you just give the dollars that you have in your pockets. And it used to be pocket change, but you have now upgraded to dollar bills, y'all. And so, which is so cool to see how you're doing it. I wanna invite Tracy Bagnuda to come forward and she's gonna share about uh, her story this week. So Tracy, come on up. Did I get your last name right? Got it perfect. I did? Yeah, Good. Thanks. Tracy, by the way, is the director for Lifeline Pregnancy Center, if you did not know, uh, which is really cool. And so after this story, while the announcement videos are going, we're going to pass out the buckets for change for a dollar. They're the custom galvanized buckets that make lots of money. Um, or sorry. Well, they do. 
They do, they do make lots of money. If you're watching online and you want to Venmo or give online through our website, mycoastal.org, um, there's the Venmo handle. Um, and, and you can do, and just mark change for a dollar online. I, I give change for a dollar through my phone every week, and I just Venmo the church uh, or every week that we, that we collect. So, Tracy, um, first of all, how much money was in the bucket? There was about $860. Holy wow. That means there was $860 for this service and for the second service. So we, gave, we just gave $1,600 just on the drop of a hat on a Sunday. And we gave it away to someone who doesn't go to our church. So who did you give it to? I gave it to my friend Julie. And what was that like for you? Well... So Julie lost her husband unexpectedly last, I believe, November, and that put them in, her into deep financial stress. And then right after that, she broke her arm. Oh, my god! And so was out of work. And all I could think about was what I had wouldn't even be enough. And I kept thinking about change for a dollar, and I kept thinking how my little can expand um, to meet her need if we pull together. And, and so as soon as I had the opportunity to raise my hand, I did um, That's awesome. so I could help her. And she did write me a thank you card. She was not in a position. She didn't even want to see me. She's just so overwhelmed just going to work. And so um, she asked, I said I had a card for her. She asked if I could put it under the mat of her porch and I just text to make sure she got it, and then she sent me a thank you card, so could I read it? Please. Okay, she just said, um, what a truly unexpected blessing and a very needed time. Thank you so much to you and everyone at Coastal Community. This gift offers me the chance to breathe for a moment. As you know, since Bill passed, I have been struggling and fighting with um, Social Security to get my benefits for being a widow, and it has not been easy. We leave in two weeks to spread Bill's ashes in our beloved Yosemite. Having the extra funds will ensure the trip is a little easier on me. Thank you to everyone. With love, Julie. And so. Can we pray for Julie? Can we all pray for Julie? So Jesus, thank you for Tracy and her friendship with Julie. And we pray now for Julie. We ask that as this grief is so heavy on her that it would begin to lift now in Jesus' name. God, uh, losing your spouse, you, you don't know who you are anymore. Would you remind Julie that she is your beloved first and foremost? Lord, would you provide the benefits with Social Security just, I don't know, whatever bureaucrat has to press whatever button, would that button just be pressed now in Jesus' name. And we pray, Jesus, that, um, that Tracy's friendship with Julie would be uh, a, a friendship of light and hope and joy in this dark time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, I got one more change for a dollar story to share with you real quick. Um, so uh, prepare. If you want to give for change for a dollar, now's the time to, to get that ready. So one of you, I don't know who it is. By the way, I, don't, I have no idea who gives what in this church. Well, I, I know how much I give, but that's it. Um, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't keep track of that. I never do. Um, that's what we have other people for. Um, and I don't even know who they are. Uh, so there it is. Well, one of you gave 
one of you gave um, $1,500 just for change for a dollar so that when someone, when something happens and we just have this instant need for change for a dollar, then we can give it. And so we are, we're at Little Bits Cafe. Have anybody been to Little Bits Cafe? It's by Garland's Burger, behind Garland's Burger, and it is the best breakfast on the Central Coast. The bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich, and avocado melts your mouth. The burritos, breakfast burritos. The breakfast, like each breakfast is this big, right? It's ridiculous. Um, so we go there a lot, and the staff goes there, and some of you go there, and they all know Coastal Community Church um, because we tip more than $4. Uh, and, and I'm not kidding you, that's the average tip that a waitress gets, $4 for a meal. And, but we do better than that. As a group, we do better than that. And so Tracy, who is the daughter's, uh, not, is that right, Tracy? Debbie, what's her name? Kira, the daughter's owner. Uh, uh, so the, owner, the owner's daughter, Kira, the daughter's owner. Yo, yo necesito mas coffee. Um, the owner's daughter, Kira, um, we, we tipped her, and when Coastal Community Church goes out uh, as a, the pastor, I don't tip small, I tip big, because, you know, we'll let Grace and those guys tip small, right? We're going we're gonna to do it, right? All the people that came from Grace to here are like, ooh, burn. Everybody else is like, what's Grace? Um, anyways. So we, uh, so uh, Kira comes, Kira, you know, takes the bill, she comes back, and then she starts weeping. And she says, you have no idea how much this will help. I had negative $68 in my bank account. We gave her a $100 tip, and now she's got $32. She said, I'm a, I'm a mother of four. Uh, my, my husband just got out of the hospital. This makes all the difference in the world. And I said, you have $32, and you're a mother of four? And so as a staff, we were eating lunch there, and I look at Rob and Johanna, I'm like, can we do change for a dollar for her? And right then and there, they said yes. And right then and there, we were able to give her $750. And, and she's weeping. She's like, I so want to come to church, but I work on Sundays. So I just want to let you know, Kira, if you're watching in the future online or for any of us, if you ever get to go to Little Bits, you don't have to tip $100, but if you have it, give it. Uh, and if you go out to lunch today and you are with a waitress and you're, or a waiter, tip them well because you have no idea what they're going through and it makes all the difference in the world. Yes. Amen? Yes. So, ushers, come on forward. We're going to receive the offering for change for a dollar today. Um, and then, does any, is God have it on somebody's heart to give this money away this week? To someone who haven't done it before, you haven't done it before. Okay, tell me your name. Margie's going to do it this week. Margie's going to take it away. So Margie, come and talk to me at the end of the service, and we'll get you the money, okay? Um, can we pray for Margie real quick? Jesus, bless Margie as she gives this money away. And all God's people said? Amen. We have an announcement video for you. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, in case we haven't met before, my name is Joe Ramirez. I'm the Minister of Communications. I usually try to have these 
be somewhat fun and upbeat, but I have been sick all week and this is all you're getting today. So uh, I've got a special video from April and Deb, so I'm gonna keep mine short. Uh, coming up on the 22nd, we have our one year anniversary of Celebrate Recovery. So we're having a worship night and special pizzas, wood-fired pizzas from Craig Smith back. Dinner's at 6.15, worship night at 6.30. Come on through, celebrate, it's gonna be a great time. And then um, on the 24th is our uh, new member lunch, new welcome lunch. It's for all the folks, you guys have been barely coming, or maybe this is your first time, and you just wanna to get to know some folks and just, yeah, hang out a little bit, we're having lunch for you. It's gonna be on Sunday the 24th, 12.30 in the Fellowship Hall. So if you guys can make it, we'd love to meet you. Uh, that'd be a great time. And then the following Sunday, yes, October 1st, is gonna be Sign Up Sunday. So that's an opportunity to express interest in some of the different ministries we've got here at the church. So if you would like to uh, be considered as to be one of the part of the, one of the teams, you can come sign up. We've got a bunch of different places that uh, you might be interested in serving. So you can give them your contact info and then we can reach out to you if we can find a spot for you to help out. Man, I don't even have my selfie stick up. Is this all wobbly? I hope it's not. My phone's supposed to fix that. Anyways, all right. Here's Deb in April. Oh, hey, Debbie. Hi, April. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. You know what is so marvelous? What? We had a great women's lunch just a little while ago. We had almost a hundred women there. We sure did. You know what else is marvelous? What? That you gave your testimony and were so brave. And <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. It also, speaking of marvelous, we have Gymnazo now on Tuesdays and Fridays instead of Tuesdays and Saturdays. So this is not just for the women, this is for men, children if they're homeschooled, whatever, um, at 10 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. Yes, and you know what else is marvelous? Can't wait to hear. <laughs> we are meeting after Gymnazo on the 12th to go hike the Pismo Preserve. So if you want to meet us beforehand and carpool after Gymnazo, we're going to meet at the church at 1115. And if you want to meet us there, you can meet us there at 1130. That is marvelous. That is marvelous. I have a one more thing marvelous. What? Well, not one more, but this a is marvelous. More. Yes. A couple more. <laughs> um, on the 16th, we're going to do a movie night and we are going to be watching Sleepless in Seattle. Aww. And it's at 6.30, and we'll have a popcorn bar and, you know, all the munchies that go in it, and marvelous, marvelous. <laughs> and what else is so marvelous? Oh, well, we're getting ready to launch our four, four, four friends. <laughs> and we had a lot of signups at the lunch. Um, there's still time, so if you weren't there or if you changed your mind or whatever, you have until the 16th, which is the movie night. And then we will spend the next week or so matching you with three other people and encourage you guys to get together uh, once at least a month for the next four months. And then we'll, um, you know, get together and talk about our times together. Marvelous. Marvelous. <laughs> and we have one more thing that is <laughs> marvelous. Marvelous. 
we have a tea party. Yes. Coming up on September 30th at three in the afternoon. Yeah. And we have room for, if you want to host us a table, and that means you bring all the teacups and saucers and all the things, or if you want to attend. But it's really important that if you know you want to come, that you RSVP soon, so we know how many tables to set and how many hostesses we need. Yes. So ladies, let's, let's have a marvelous time. That video was supposed to be under 60 seconds. It was not. So, oh well, they're too nice. I can't, I can't cut their stuff. Anyways, uh, if you guys want to give, tithe boxes are over by the sound booth, or you can give online, of course, at mycoastal.org slash give. Uh, I'm at home. If you want to drop off uh, cupcakes, donuts, steak, uh, Subway sandwich, or a Red Bull, I'll be totally welcome to that. Just knock on the door and run. It'll be fun. Uh, yeah, that's what I got for you guys. Uh, I think it's Andy preaching today. I don't even know what's happening. So thank you guys. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye. Welcome to Coastal Community Church, where we believe there's always hope beyond our brokenness, as we trust in our reason savior and bring restoration to the community as we join Jesus in his resurrection work. What, what happened? Um, so, so let's, uh, where, where am I? Uh, let's, uh, well, welcome to our church. Uh, in fact, let me introduce our church. Uh, so welcome, uh, welcome to Christian Community Church, where we believe there's always hope beyond our brokenness. Um, no, ma no matter where you are, or how terrible your British old lady accent is, uh, there's hope beyond our brokenness. Uh, when, when our lives get turned upside down and we start thinking that the accuser and condemner of our souls, which is the enemy, actually feels like our Heavenly Father and the world and all of its temptations and the enemy itself feels like a, a better provider than God. When we are twisted like that and broken like that and it comes out and we hurt others that we love or we get hurt by others who believe in the same thing, I want you to know that there's hope. There's hope for you. There's hope for the person that you're sitting next to that you've been praying for. There's hope for the person that isn't sitting there that you're hoping would come one day. There's hope for your kids and your grandkids. There's always hope. Always. And it doesn't mean that the outcomes are going to look like what we want them to. It doesn't mean that, that everything is going to work out the way that we have planned. But God is better than we think. And God gives us better gifts than we could ever possibly wish for. Second thing we believe is that we are called to trust in our risen Savior, and trusting God is incredible. We're going to talk about this a lot today, what it looks like to trust God. What does it look like to learn to be a part of his family, to, to play 
by the family's rules, to learn how to be a part of that takes time. We do that together. We, we don't, we're not lone rangers, right? We, we don't learn how to trust Jesus who is alive all by ourselves. We need each other. We're designed for each other. And lastly, we bring restoration, right? So Tracy got to bring restoration to Julie's life this week. You all got to bring restoration to Kira's life at Little Bits. Now Margie's gonna bring restoration. And we do that with junior hires and high schoolers um, who don't know Jesus yet and come to youth group. We do that with um, the young and the old, with people who are poor, with people who are rich. It does not matter. We want to bring God's resurrection work here and now. And you get to be a part of it right now. Even if this is your first Sunday, you get to be a part of that work because you have a purpose and a calling on your life that God has for you and he loves you and he wants you to learn how to live into that right now. So each one of these truths that we orient our whole ministry and church behind has a choice attached to it that we get to make every day. And would you be willing to make this choice as a follower of Jesus today with me? And if you're online, say yes. And if, if you happen to be Sam or Danielle and you're in Fresno and you're watching, just scream out and wake up your dad. Are you ready? Here we go. Today, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first. And I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. So can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? Yes. That be okay? Yes. Okay. We are going to continue in the book of Ephesians. Last week, we got through three verses. This week, we're going to get through four. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. No, actually, we'll do more a little bit. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to be a saint, because call, Paul calls the people of Ephesus saints. And a saint is someone who's courageous enough to be honest with Jesus about who they are fully, truly. All the failures, all the twisted places, all the goodness, all the beauty. A saint isn't someone who pretends to be perfect. A saint is someone who understands that they are fully and completely loved by God right where they're at. Right where they're at. Because when you know that you're fully and completely loved with God right where you're at, then the addiction that you don't want to admit that you have the bitterness that you don't want to say that you're holding on to, the, the martyr and entitlement that you keep on feeding and that you don't want to admit that you have, now that can come to light. If God loves you in all of the twisted, broken places of your life, then that means you can talk about them and they can get healed. A saint does not perform. Look how marvelous and Christian I am. No. A saint understands their great beauty and value and also their great wounding and is able to talk about them both because God makes us holy, not us. God makes us a saint, not us. I don't have to prove my sainthood to anybody. It's been bestowed upon me as a gift. I am holy and blameless. You are holy and blameless right now. Right now. Amen? That was last week. So who's Paul writing to? Um, if you were joining us for the first time, he's writing 
to people in basically the ancient version of Los Angeles. They're pagans and Jews. Um, and they're all mashed together in this, this church because all of them have seen the undeniable power of Jesus at work. And some of them have a Jewish background, and so they understand who Jesus is, the rabbi who claimed to be both fully God and fully man. And some of them are pagans, and they have no clue who any, about any Jewish tradition whatsoever, but they've experienced the undeniable power of God, and now they're trusting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so you can't have any two different groups of people together in the room. It's like all of us, right? We have all, all kind of different people from all different backgrounds and all different persuasions here. And all of us are in this room because God has shown up in our lives and we can't help but worship Him. Amen? Amen? So last week, I got to watch the uh, movie Selena uh, for the very first time. If anybody have seen the movie Selena? Uh, it is a fantastic movie. And it's about the pop artist Selena who was killed uh, by the president of her fan club. This is in 1995. She was 20 years old. If you heard her songs, you, you would recognize them because they're that mainstream. Imagine if, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Swift was killed by the president of her fan club. That would be the equivalent of when Selena was killed. And at one point in the movie, her dad says to her, Selena, we're Mexican-Americans. We've been here 10 generations, but we're not Mexican enough for the Mexicans when we go to Mexico, and we're not American enough for the white folk here in America. And that's the church that Paul is writing to. The pagans aren't Jewish enough for the Jews, and the Jews aren't Christian enough or less Jewish enough for the pagans. So what's Paul going to tell these people who have so little in common? What is he going to tell them to help them understand who they are in Christ, their power, their identity, their purpose? How is he going to show them the significance when there's so much divide even within the church? How's Paul going to do it? We're going to read today. Are you ready? Yes. Jesus, help. Again, we bind up anything and oppose to you that's here. Leave now in the name of Jesus. Get off us. Not today, devil. Amen. Amen. Go to Jesus to be judged. Father, we pray your protection, your blessing. Open our ears, open our hearts, open our eyes to what you would have to say to us through your word, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's read together. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And let's do 6 as well. Here we go. Are you ready? In love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, to which his... <laughs> okay, we're going to hang out in this verse for about five minutes. First notice what Paul says, in love, God predestined us. What does predestined mean? The etymology of the word or how the word is constructed is pretty simple. Look, it's two words smashed together. The first is pre. What's the next word? Or like a destination? Or your destiny? Okay, that's what predestination means. It means that the destiny or the, the destination of your life, the arc and meaning of your life, your ultimate destination has been planned by God and God is working 
to make sure that his plan for you happens. Does that make sense? Predestination is not predetermination. Okay? God doesn't take away your free will at all. Okay? So God has a destiny for you and a destination which is heaven for you. How you get there is up to you. Does that make sense? You can have a great ride or it can be tough as nails. Other people have their free will which also impacts your ride, right? So everybody's still got free will. God planning to bless you and, and that, that when you look back at your life, you'll say, oh my gosh, you'll say this, predestination, put it in this way. How about this one? Next slide. Predestination goes like this. When you look back at your life, you'll say this, Jesus, that was all you. You got me to this place and I'll give you all the glory. Think about how you got here right now. Was it all you? No, I can look at where I am right now in my life and I go, oh my gosh, I am the recipient of profound mercy and grace. Amen? And I have freely made every single choice that I have made in order to be right here. And at the same time, God has brought me here by his incredible mercy and grace. So what destiny does God have for you and me? We'll look at verse 5 again. Ready? So in God, in love, so God, not in hate. That's really important because some of you are going through some really rough times right now. God's not mad at you. We'll talk more about that in a moment. In love, God has a destiny, a destination planned for you. And it's this. Read it with me. Predestined for... Adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. What in the world does that mean? Well, sonship isn't about gender. It's about a legal inheritance. Does that make sense? Paul is using language of his day, but it's a role in the family. It's a position. And But before we dig into sonship, let me make two points about adoption. Okay. First, adoption in the first century looked a little bit different than it does right now. Adoption then, 2,000 years ago, usually happened when you were a young adult or you were in your 30s. Why? Well, when families had no children or their children were killed because of disease or famine or war or whatever like that, um, they needed someone to take over the family business. Why? Because there's no retirement homes. And there's no Medi-Cal, and there's no Medicaid, and when you're old, you need someone to take care of you, amen? amen. Nobody wants to say amen <laughs> and admit that they are old. You get, inju- you get injured in your sleep, say amen. A- amen. So to not have an heir, to not have someone that you would give your family farm to, that you'd give your family business to, that means 
that there's nobody working, and if there's nobody working, you starve to death. Does that make sense? You need an heir. And so for someone who worked for you, if you didn't have kids, at some point you would say, I think I could give my family business to them and, or my, my farm to them or my, what I have to them, and I think that they wouldn't just sell everything and leave me high and dry and starve me to death, but it would work out for them that they would get this incredible property or this incredible business or this functional farm, and then they would feed me and take care of me when I'm old. And so to have a conversation with someone who's an adult and say, would you like to be adopted? And the person goes, hmm, yes, this is awesome, or no, right? They get a choice in it. So adoption back then wasn't about love. It was about money and survival and work. Does that make sense? Adoption these days is about a parent wanting children that they can't have themselves. Every child who's ever been adopted is grateful to have a family, and also they will deal with a sense of abandonment for their entire lives. Why? Because ultimately they were given up by their mom. They feel unwanted. People who are adopted will feel that way. Adopted kids deal with this thought all the time. If I mess up, if I'm not enough, then this family will leave me behind as well. And the same was true for people adopted as adults in the first century. If I mess up, if I screw up this family business, if I mess up the farm, if there's a bad year, then I will lose my inheritance and they will say, you're no longer adopted and I will lose everything. And so there's uncertainty and fear there. And here's the first point about adoption. Adoption, read this with me. Adoption always comes with the uncertainty of abandonment. Make sense? Hold on to that thought for just a moment. You're going to need it. Second about, point about adoption is more straightforward and easy to understand. It takes time to learn how to be in a new family. Um, our minister of Razzle Dazzle, Debbie, and I were talking this week about this. Debbie is adopted. And if you've heard her story, she shares that. And she gave me permission to share this uh, with you all today. And I said, so what was it like being adopted? And she goes, well, I'm very grateful for my family. And she talked about the sense of abandonment. But all she said, it just takes time to learn how to be in a new family. You know, my, my mom cooked, you know, everything. And she made all of these homemade cookies and homemade food and all this kind of stuff. But all I wanted when I was a kid, everybody loved her cookies. I liked her cookies, but what I really wanted was just an Oreo. <laughs> so genetically, the entire family, right, loved homemade cookies, but Debbie was from a d different genetic family who loved Oreos. And she showed up to this brand new family wanting Oreos, and all she got were homemade cookies. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just takes time to learn how to be in a new family. Let me help you understand what Paul is trying to communicate to his people, what God is trying to say to you. It takes time to learn how to be a part of... Sometimes you're going to feel like God has had enough with you, that there's not enough time, that you haven't figured it out yet, that you got all the wrong desires. You're not supposed to like Oreos. You're supposed to like these kind of cookies. 
You're going to feel like there's uncertainty that if you mess up, you'll be left just like you got left last time. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Amen? Amen. You're not adopted because of pity. You're not adopted because Californians were on sale. Right? You've not, you're not adopted so that you can prove that you're enough, that you can earn your place all the time. That's my story. You've been chosen and claimed to be part of God's family because God loves you right now in the middle of all your hot messes that you don't want anybody to know about. That's why you took a shower this morning. Most of you. You are completely and totally secure in God's love right now. Right now. There's nothing that you can do that would ever allow you to run out of God's grip. He's got you. All your sin is forgiven. All your silliness, God knows what to do with. All your talent, all your beauty, God knows all of it. He created you in his image. He knows the ark. He's planned the destiny and the destination for your life. You're his. Amen? Amen. Now, it takes time to learn that you're safe in God's family. It takes time to learn the family language called prayer. Don't give up. Don't give up. When you get married, you get in a brand new family. And uh, one of the things that April shared at, at the women's lunch is how difficult her family of origin was and all the rules and all the cult-like behavior that happened in her family of origin. And I want you to know that, that, it, that it takes time to figure out how to unlearn being in a messed up family so that you can learn how to be a part of God's family where there is no shame and there is no condemnation because Jesus already paid it all. And there is no demands for your performance or your perfection because Jesus already did that for you. As a family of God, we value honesty We value vulnerability, but you know what? We live in a world where if you are honest or vulnerable, it'll be used against you, right? We've been a part of churches, maybe even had conversations in this church where we are honest and vulnerable, and we get this look, (laughs) right? I mean, I literally have been a part of churches where I've like been honest, and churches would be like, no, we don't do that here, right? I, have, I know pastors that have screamed at their people. I'm so tired of hearing your problems. That's what a therapist is for. Good gracious. No. This is not a place where we perform or pretend. Can you imagine if everybody in the hospital was like, I'm fine. I don't need any treatment. No, I'm good. I'm great. I mean, I'm admitted, but I'm okay. Right? No, I'm fine. I'm great. You know, like I'm not sick. Right? I'm just here to see a friend. Right? That's not a broken leg. No, this blood, no, I'm fine. I'm I'm great. That's not how we do things here. We're trying to be vulnerable. We're trying to be honest so that we can do something good with all that's been done to us as we offer it to God and get healed. This takes time. 
Sometimes you get confused. We go back to our old patterns. We hurt other people. It takes time to unlearn those things. Don't give up. Don't give up. You're making steps forward and then all of a sudden you make steps backwards. Don't give up. That's my story too. I didn't like go to seminary and all of a sudden was perfect. I mess up every single week. Every single week. I hurt people that I love. I make mistakes. I entertain self-ambition and pride and fear and resentments, anger all the time. I can be mean with my words and totally self-centered in my actions. That's me. Don't give up. So let's read verse 4 and 5 and 6 again. In love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Because God loves you, God chose your destiny. Because God, God loves you, God claimed you as his beloved daughter, his worthy son. Because God loves you, he's given you a purpose. What's the purpose? It's sonship. What's sonship? Sonship is a legal term, and it literally means to receive two-thirds of the family inheritance. Your purpose is to get a lot. <laughs> to have an enormous inheritance. Why does God want you to have an enormous inheritance? Why? To give it away. What's your inheritance? It's Jesus himself. His literal presence inside of you through the Holy Spirit is God himself in you right now. That's your inheritance. And so all of his love and his joy and his peace and his kindness and his goodness and his faithfulness and gentleness and self-control is now yours. Woo! That means I don't have to manufacture it on my own. It's the fruit of his spirit in me. And now I can let that come forth and I can give it away and give it away and give it away. Now in Ephesus, people would travel to all, they would all travel to Ephesus. People all over the known ancient world would travel to Ephesus for a very specific reason. They would buy a scroll that had magic words. There were six magical words in Ephesus was known for that if you learned how to say this word that you would get blessings from the gods. <gasps> Has anybody heard the phrase today, oh, I'm going to manifest blessing in my life? That's magic words. That's magic thinking. I'm going to keep on talking about something until it comes true. That's magic. It's magical thinking and using words to try and get God to do stuff for you, right? So people would travel to Ephesus and they would, they would buy these magical scrolls and spend a lot of money on them and repeat the word over and over and over again. And then they would subscribe to Oprah's book club and then they would read The Secret or they would read all the other dumb books in that book club that have to do with manifesting what they want from God. And then they would seek to try and get all this by themselves. 
And then they would buy a book by Tony Robbins about how you could just be more of a jerk and get your way and get rich, and that'd be great. And then they buy a book of the seven habits of highly self-centered people. And then they would uh, read that. And then they would do that. And then they would take a leadership course from this person or that person so that they don't follow God, but they just follow their own desires. And then it would be amazing. And they'd spend all this money on self-help and all this money on books and all these money on scrolls. And they would get all these things and they would hope that it would make them better and that the gods would bless them. We don't do any of that today. So Luke writes in Acts 19 that when people started to believe in Jesus, miracles broke out. Why? Because all their books didn't work. And in the name of Jesus, demons would flee and bones would be mended and lives would be restored. And people thought, how much does that word cost? And Paul would say, it's free to you. And it cost him his life. And they fall on their knees weeping and they would say, somebody else paid the cost for me to be blessed. I've always paid the cost for me to be blessed. I've always had to work so hard. I've always had to do so much. I've always had to pay all the people to make, to heal me. And Jesus would be like, no, man, I paid it all for you. So they took all their stupid self-help books and they piled it in downtown Aurora Grande. <laughs> and they lit it on fire. It was 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a day's wage. 50,000 times three, $400. What's that? 200 million? Can you imagine putting $200 million worth of self-help books in downtown Aurora Grande and lighting it on fire, and people freak out. They're running into the fire to pick out the magic books that they don't have and scrolls that they don't have. I don't have this one by Tony Robbins. What if he says something new? <laughs> oh, Brene Brown, what if she says something new? It's a massive bonfire. Why? Because Jesus is the only one that can heal, and Jesus is the only one that can save, and it don't cost us a dime. You don't got to manipulate God. You don't got to pretend for God. In fact, any effort to manipulate God for blessing is as unnecessary as trying to make water But it gets better. Paul's not done. Verse 7, read this. Are you ready? In him we have sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. So not only are you adopted, not only is the destination and destiny of your life secure because what Jesus has done for you, not only do you have a brand new inheritance, which is Jesus himself all of the good things he wants to pour into your life so that they come pouring out to be a blessing to other people. Not only have the power of his name to heal and to love and to cast out evil, not only do you have that, but also every moment of bondage that you have in your life has been redeemed. It's been paid for. It's been broken in the name of Jesus by Jesus himself. 
Kurt's going to explain this in a couple of weeks more when he preaches on Ephesians chapter 2. But in the Garden of Eden, at that very moment when Adam and Eve rebelled, the accuser became the provider and God, our Father, our advocate, became our judge. And all of us got everything twisted upside down. And we've all lived a life where we've thought that we've had to get stuff not from God because he's too stingy or too busy or too irritated with us. That's the devil, not God. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's provided everything for you out of his grace, giving you gifts that you cannot earn, that you don't deserve because he loves you. You've been redeemed. So our issue is twofold that Paul's talking about in this passage. Number one, we're practiced at living as orphans. And when we don't kind of remember how to be a part of God's family, or we think it takes too much practice to learn how to be a part of this family, let me just go back to living like an orphan because I know how to do that. That's the first issue that we have. And the second issue is, is that we don't know our inheritance. We think that our inheritance comes from us rather than from Jesus. And so we don't go to him asking him for the things that we need. We think that we have to do that all by ourselves so that we're worthy enough to get it. And that's not how it works. Here is the mystery and the beauty and the wonder of the gospel in verse 8. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment. Here's the mystery of it all. Are you ready? This is it. This is what's so crazy, good, incredible, amazing about God. Are you ready? Here it is. Are you ready? I know it's five degrees too hot in here for you, and it feels like you're melting. Sit up. Take a breath. Wake up. Shrug your shoulders. Pinch your legs. Here it is. Don't miss this. Are you ready? Here we go. Are you ready? I need more from you. Are you ready? To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What? This doesn't, you don't even know what this means. Jesus wants you united to himself. Jesus is going to take every broken, destroyed piece of your life. And at the end of your life, all things, all things will be redeemed. There's nothing that has fallen off that is beautiful, that was worthy, that is, that is incredible, that God won't take. And at the end of your life, the predestination, the plan, the destiny that you, God won't bring it all back into unity. That's what God is doing. And it's not because I've done it. It's because Jesus has done it from his life and death and his work in you right now. There's this book, Heaven is for Real. It's about the book of little three-year-old Colton Burpo. His parents, Sonia um, and Todd, 
They had just lost their first child to miscarriage. And then uh, they had Colton, and at three years old, his appendix burst. They caught it too late. They were on a family vacation out camping, and they brought him to some podunk ER, and he ended up dying on the table for like six seconds. And then they brought him back, and he was fine. And then he started, like, uh, about a week later, he started talking about heaven. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, there's no, nobody wears glasses in heaven. Amen. Right? My, my, my youngest son, Levi, wears glasses as a fashion statement. He doesn't need glasses at all. And I'm like, oh, just wait, kid. Just wait. Like Mr. Magoo waking up in the morning. You have no idea where you are. If you're under 40, you have no idea who Mr. Magoo is. If you're over 40, <clears throat> we old, folks. Uh, so, Sonia is hanging out one day, the mom, and little Colton comes up to her and says, Mommy, I have a sister. And she says, excuse me? And she goes, yeah, I, I met her in heaven. She goes, no, I have a sister. And he's like, she's like, what? And Colton says, you know, the baby that died in you, I met her when I went to heaven. And Sonia, and then he just runs away. And the mom's like, Colton, get back here right now. <laughs> what? Todd and Sonia are just sitting there, and they're listening to this little four-year-old. He, he was four. It was a year later at this time. They had had another baby, a little baby girl named Cassie at that point. They were thought they were, Todd was talking, or the little boy was talking about their newborn daughter, but he wasn't. He was talking about the child that they had lost. And it was insistent that he had two sisters. And she said, mom says, Sonia says, what does she look like? And she, she, got, she got dark hair like you. And they started talking about it. And, and Sonia and the dad Todd are like, what, what, wait, wait a minute. Like, she's there all alone? And from a four-year-old's lips, he says this. It's okay, mommy. She's okay. God adopted her. And Sonia slid off the couch and he says, do you mean Jesus adopted her? And little Colton says, no, his daddy did. <laughs> Sonia asks, what's her name? Tots, or little Colton says, She's waiting for you to give her her name. Sonia says, well, what does God the Father call her? And little Colton says this. Beloved. Everything in your life, even the kids that you've lost, is going to be brought back into unity in heaven. It's not going to all happen right now. It won't. We just don't live in that world. 
Heaven hasn't come down to earth yet. One day it will. Maybe next week. I don't know. <laughs> Feels like it these days. <laughs> but you need to know that you are your heavenly father's beloved right now. And you don't earn your sainthood. You don't earn your belovedness. It's given to you and it's granted to you. And if you could take a moment, if you could take a moment right now and just receive the inheritance that you have. The inheritance that you have is not endless labor. The inheritance that you have is Jesus himself and your unchanging identity as God's beloved. Do you want to receive that? Let's pray. Jesus, we are sorry. I am sorry for striving and striving and striving to try and earn it or be enough. And if you're in that same place, friends, you can just say in your own heart, Jesus, I'm sorry. And Jesus, we now receive. If you open up your hands, guys, like you're about to receive a gift. Can you repeat after me? Jesus, I receive your inheritance, your very presence. Take a breath. In the name that you give me, I am your beloved. Jesus, bless and seal these good works and the good things that has been done, the songs that have been sung, the, the truth that has been spoken. Uh, by you, Holy Spirit, into the corners of our lives that we did not expect this morning. Pray against the enemy's plans to rob, steal, and destroy what's been given. God, protect us, bless us. Jesus, help us to live from that place of being your beloved this week. To give it away. To treat others the same. They are your beloved. We trust you, Lord. We love you. And all God's people said. Would you stand for the benediction? God has a destiny for your life where all things will be united in Him. Everything that you've lost will be brought back. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance, His delight in you give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. if you want prayer, come forward. Otherwise, you can go to Table Talk across the street or grab a bite to eat.